Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 85 of Bleeding Blue. And on Thursday, the New York football Giants lost to the Patriots of New England by a score of 35-14 to 14 after a hard fought, and for the majority of it, a close game. We have Nikki Snacks here, who is one of the craziest freaking Giants fan out there. And he is from the Fade the Public Fantasy Football Podcast. And together, we will react to what was an expected result, but an unexpected journey against the Pats. So, without further ado, let's bleed. Blue. Baby, we are back. It has been a week since we've been in front of the microphone. Since I've been in front of a microphone, it felt like three weeks. We are sorry. I am sorry for not providing much content this week because uh, it's midterms week in college. And that kind of sucks for me. But we're here. David's not here. But Snacks, great friend of ours, great friend of the podcast, great friend of the show. He was here for episode number 50 where we talked fantasy football. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, baby. I'm doing well. Um, don't explain your midterms. Hardship. We all get it. Uh, you guys, you know, you still provide the best content out there. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. I'm here to try and be calm. You're my calming voice. I think we've formed that relationship enough where you keep me on an even keel level. It's not easy to do because I'm a psychotic, you know what? I won't curse. Don't worry. But uh, yeah, let's do this, baby. Let's do it. Now, you you can't downplay how crazy you are. Don't downplay it. No, you're right. I, um, I'm psychotic. I, uh, I, I truly am. I, I love this team more than I love my family, my, my overall health. My my well being. Every single breath I take in the morning. If I could stop it, then for a giant Super Bowl, I would. Um, yeah, I I am out of my mind. It's not good. It's not healthy. That's why I said you're the one person in this world that actually keeps me on a on a level headed basis. But yeah, I'm 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 not not good. I'm I'm not good. This is. Not great. <laughs> it's not great. I love the team way too much. Way too much. So before we really get into it, I mentioned that you're here for episode 50. You're the yeah. co-host of Fate the Public, um, part of Big Dog's Gotta Eat Fantasy Fantasy brand. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's an entire brand, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's my number one go-to uh, fantasy football source um, for podcasts and overall draft guides online and just even start stardom sit throughout the entire season. So you got to go check out Big Dog's Gotta Eat. And go check out the Fade the Public podcast. But Nikki, you are not our usual co-host. David is our usually is our usual co-host. David's not here because it's a Friday night and he's living his life. I mean, what a what a loser he's got a life. Couldn't agree more. Big loser. Yeah, what a yeah, what a loser. Um, he actually has a life and he actually goes out with his friends on a Friday <laughs> night and not sitting in front of a microphone talking about talking about a freaking football team that lost by twenty one points. Uh, but neither here nor there. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I want to tell. A funny story to start off the podcast. Oh boy, I can't wait to hear that story. But yes, Justin, you're right. We, um, I'm a part of the Fade the Public podcast. We do it on Big Dogs Got to Eat. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Big Dogs Got to Eat, and our podcast comes up. 
You can type in Fade the Public on, on iTunes. We give you all the fantasy advice every week. We break down our big money league. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. We love it. And we appreciate the support that we've got from your listeners. And, you know, we've formed this great friendship and it, it just keeps going through the roof. But yeah, you guys can find me snacks underscore BDGE and follow us. Great fantasy advice. That's it. Bada bing, bada boom. Justin, let's do it. Go get into your funny story because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm about to be embarrassed. So go ahead. <laughs> All right. So the, the Giants lost um, breaking news on Thursday. Just in case you were living under a rock and you're just listening to this for the first time, Giants lost on Thursday to the New England Patriots. And there's been a lot of heat, a lot of criticism that particularly Pat Shermer has taken. Pat Shermer, head coach of the New York Football Giants, that he's taken, especially these last two weeks. I've been one of the people that's more critical. We are going to be a little critical this episode of Pat Shermer. But there's also a decent amount of reasons why it's very much still a very wait-and-see process, which you can already think of in your brain why it's still a wait-and-see process, because especially if you think of who is not on the football field for this Giants team right now. So I'm bringing up a formidable, is that, is that the correct word? A formidable face um, in, in Giants land and Giants history, and that face is Ben McAdoo. And I'm going to uh, I'm gonna share a story that he told his football players and his team heading into the 2017 season. Now, you might remember it. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I kind of had this idea and this epiphany where I shared this article. But I want to share you the story of Frazier, the old sex-crazed lion. So, Snacks, do you, do you kind of remember, remember this story when I even just say, you know, Frazier, the sex-crazed lion? Unfortunately, yeah, I do. And I'm really looking forward to, to explaining this because... For those that don't remember it, it's going to take you down a, a road that you just wish you weren't on. But, Justin, yeah, tell the story. At the age of 19, the human equivalent of 75, <laughs> and no longer of use to the Mexican circus that owned Frazier, he faced a preemptive death. But fate twisted kindly for the aging lion. In 1972, he ended up south of Los Angeles at Lion Country Safari, along with a group of other wildcats that had been sent north for a new life. Frazier was quickly placed on a special diet um, full of vitamins, and he began to put on some weight. Much to his handler's surprise, he then became a hit with the lionesses, the female lions. That's a, that's a tough word for me. Within one day of meeting him, the same female lions that refused to meet with several younger guns were sprawled protectively around Frazier, bringing him choice meats at mealtime and waiting to eat until he was finished. Seven weeks later, they were all pregnant. Within 16 months, he had fathered 33 cubs. So, Snacks, I want to ask you a question. What, what is the purpose and I think now I think we know the purpose of sharing this sharing this story, which was basically the Giants had a lot of players that were over the age of 30 at the uh, time well. in 2017. And, and McAdoo is trying to tell that story to like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't what even know. But, but you're asking me what I think. Of it. What was he trying to do? That sick, twisted bastard literally combed his hair back and decided that that was the best metaphor to start describing the season going in? I mean, come on. Know your fucking audience, Ben. Sorry, Justin. I may use the F word. You know me. Oh, that's okay. Okay. I, I like I to use it. the F word sometimes, I know, too. I know it is, but sometimes I, I get it out of hand. He was so stupid. I Oh, my God. The fact that you even brought that story up, I almost shut my laptop and said, the hell with this podcast? Come on. <laughs> but I know what you're saying, so continue. Do it. Do it. I, I So so you know how you know how Lawrence Taylor said let's go out there like a bunch of mad crazed dogs and have some fun? It's, it's still but, to this day the greatest NFL soundbite ever. So Ben McAdoo is saying let's go out there like a bunch of sex crazed lions and have some fun. God, I hate you. I hate you. I really do. I hate so I bring that. I bring that story up. I bring that story up because Pat Shermer has taken a lot of heat this week. So I wanted to remind you of a much more interesting time in Giants history that was not so long ago. 
Snacks, what did you think of the game on Thursday night? That's about the biggest deep breath I've ever taken in my life. I tell you, I think I take. I think I think we talked the Sunday after the Vikings game. We talked Sunday night, and I said, "I think we're going to get killed." And theoretically, they New England covered the spread. They did whatever they had to do, but we were in that game, bro. The defense. I don't think I've ever seen a more inspired defense from a Giants team in years. Like, the Patriots should have ran up and down the field all game. They didn't. They really didn't. Outside of, like, the last, what, 12 minutes when they did that? You know, I the missed field goal obviously factors in, but Marcus Golden's a ball player. He really is. And, and Carter finally showed his potential – with that swim move, he, the the spin move, he, he went and he made Brady fumble. I, I saw a lot of great things out of the defense that I, I pray to God above continues next week against Arizona because that's no easy task again. I mean, it's a it's an exotic offense. It's with a scrambling quarterback. We have literally no linebackers. Um, Jabril Peppers needs to learn how to tackle. And so the whole Giants. Defense. Oh no, no, no! This is where I this is where I stop you. Stop me. This is where I'll stop you because I thought Jabril Peppers. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say that Jabril Peppers got to watch the tape again. But on just watching it live, Jabril Peppers had the best game of the season yesterday or Thursday. Excuse me. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. I'll stop he was you everywhere. There. I I'll stop you there. I don't disagree. I love Jabril. I think he stepped up as a leader and as a player on this defense. However. He missed the tackle on third and eight when they would have been, what, six yards short? I think it was against Brandon Bolden. I, I'm not looking at it right in front of me, but or against James White, one or the other, that they would have had to punt. They got that first down, and they ensued on a touchdown. So I understand exactly what you're saying. He's He was phenomenal. He really was, and he's the leader that we need. He's landing Collins minus the $84 million cap hit, but – you got to make that tackle. You have to. And I, I feel like yeah. all year tackling has been a major issue with this team. Yeah, but actually yesterday, I rem- I do remember the play, and it was Bolden that, uh, that probably had the ball in that play. I'll probably clip I'll probably clip that play sometime this weekend. But overall, yeah. I mean, Jerome Peppers had a total of 10 combined tackles. He had eight solo tackles. And he was looking like Landon Collins out there. Like this was the first time – where you actually felt like, oh, did a linebacker make that play? Oh, no, that was Peppers coming in there. And that was the same thing that you were asking yourself when Landon Collins was making plays in the run game, left and right, left and right, left and right. And the great thing about Jabril Peppers making those plays in the running game yesterday is the fact that we're already very thin at interior linebacker. So if he's there and if he's a good presence in the run game, that only helps them out tremendously. No, I couldn't agree more. And he was literally all over the field, all over the ball. I absolutely could not agree more. I'm literally nitpicking at the one little thing that that irritated me beyond belief. It's missed tackle. And a guy like Peppers, who's more athletic than mine and your genes combined, literally, like it's not even close. The guy's an athletic freak. He played 10 minutes from my high school, and he was an all-world player. He's got to make that tackle. But you're right. He was all over the field. And what I liked more was his – post-game conference afterwards, he goes, there ain't no moral victories. And he even tweeted out, he goes, somebody's like, you got to stop missing those tackles. He goes, shit, you're right. I do got to miss, start missing, stop missing those tackles. And he's going to. He's a ball player. He's not He's not going to curl up and die. He's a leader on that defense, more of a leader than I think Alec Oldtree is, which we might talk about because he's, oh, I, oh, God, I don't even know if I want to talk about him. If you do, I might hang up. But, you gotta like he what you actually seeing. had. I know yeah. what you're gonna say. I know what you're gonna oh, say. Yeah, yeah, I know. What, what, what am I? What am I gonna say? He had a nice sack. He went in there really clean. He had a nice few tackles. Sure, but can that man defend anything over the middle? No, no, he can't. He had the momentum changing play of the game. He there did. was a toss no, play that I the know. Patriots ran on third down, which I don't know why. I don't know why you're running 
a toss play at all in the NFL, unless you're the Vikings, because they're the only team that can pull that off with Dalvin Cook. But I don't know why you're running really? a toss play at all. We'll, we'll talk We'll talk about the Patriots game plan a little bit, because I have some thoughts on that too. But Ogletree goes back there on a third down, and I'm pretty sure they were somewhat in field goal range. And he comes in, he makes a tackle for loss on third down on that toss play, and it changes what you would think the entire complexion of the game. So that was a yep. really, really good play. But also... There were also plays where Alec Ogletree multiple times missed two tackles in the same play. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. They, like he you looks know, like he, lost, he does look lost. Lost, Justin, lost, and we're paying him way too much money from he's a he's got a goddamn captain C on his chest. This cannot be happening. He's we done. traded he's, he's done. Very, yeah, dude. We traded a very valuable third round pick for him. Like he needs to play better. I'm so mad at Ryan Conley for telling his ACL, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at him. You're mad at Ryan Conley? You're a bad guy. No. You know that I am. You know that. <laughs> I'm not mad at him. I feel yeah. bad. But that's literally our yeah. only glimmer of yeah. hope for a linebacking position. You know that. And it's uh, – but you're right, that third down sweep, which the Patriots never should have run. In my wildest dreams, I would have thought that the Patriots would know not to run a sweep or, a, a, you know, a toss pass. They did. And Ogletree played it well. But it doesn't continue for a full game, which is my problem. He has very good moments, and then he has very, very abysmal moments. And that's not good enough. Right, right. Right, but overall, I mean, I let's even though you've took the time to shit on Peppers for the one play, I always take every single Bleeding Blue episode to shit on Alec Ogletree in some way. This is actually the yeah, nicest that I've been to him, I think, ever. Which which really <laughs> threw me off, is- by the way. I thought we were going to go full shit on mode on, on Alec Ogletree, and sure enough, here you are. Oh, no, he was okay. He was okay. What the fuck? All right, but neither here nor there. Defense, in in a game where... Not just not just the defense, but this Giants team in a game where it would have been totally fine if they just laid down, right? If they laid yep. down, they surrendered, they waved the white flag, right? We would have been like, yup, totally fine, move on to Arizona. They didn't. They didn't. Yep. And you know what? You play who's across from you, you play the game plan that's across from you. So we're going to get into why I... Uh, th- it was a weird, weird play calling. Not necessarily play calling. Not necessarily play calling. Weird, weird, repetitive formations, play calling, game plan that the Patriots had against the Giants. Very weird, very unusual. We'll get into that. But also that defense, it overall did show heart. I mean, Dexter Lawrence, who it's tough for pro football focus to really like you. Pro football focus loves Dexter Lawrence. And he really is showing why why they love him. And it's it's apparent. It's not like, oh, it's this, it's... You have to look in the film to see the good moments. It is extremely, extremely apparent how he's making plays and that how much he is actually involved in plays, including the pass rush and how he's penetrating the pocket. It's it's beautiful to see, and it's beautiful to see how quickly it's happening as well. No, I couldn't agree more. And everybody's like, oh, he's a two-down player, two-down player. No, he's not. That guy's been penetrating up the middle, and in today's NFL, that's what you need. You need penetration up the middle. You look at Aaron Donald. I'm not saying Lawrence is Aaron Donald by any stretch of the imagination. Nobody is. But he's getting penetration up the middle every game, all the time. And his snaps keep going up and up and up. Kid's a player, and he's here to stay. So I'm very happy Dexter Lawrence is on our team because he could ball. Most snaps on out of anybody on the defensive line. He got 67% of the snaps last night. Yep. Yep. So I thought Dalvin Thompson played a good game too. So. He was he was disrupting the backfield. He was he was stuffing the run. Um, he's kind of one of the forgotten guys, but because they're all like, oh, the Giants only have run stoppers on the D line. It's not the case. Dalvin Thompson is our snacks replacement, and I think he's been very solid so far. So I will give him that. And I'm probably gonna watch the tape tomorrow. I haven't watched it yet, and I'll probably be proved wrong. And he probably sucked. But from what I saw on that television screen, I thought Dalvin Thompson looked very good. And I think he's a very good professional D lineman. Yeah, it's interesting to see how Tomlinson even has been used this year. Because you even saw a few times during that Washington game how Tomlinson was lining up as a defensive end on a third down. 
And he yep. wasn't just lining up as a as a defensive end as like a three or a four technique. He was or no, I'm sorry, not a three. No, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't no, he just was, lining but... up as like a he wasn't just lining up as a three three or four technique defensive defensive end. He was lining up like outside of this was the right tackle. Um, it was very interesting to see how he's been used sometimes, even on third downs and passing downs. And also, I, is it just me? I'm not, I'm not extremely happy with what I've seen from BJ Hill this year. Like I, I I'm in terms of the guys that I'm most disappointed out of BJ yep. Hill, BJ Hill and Grant Haley probably take the cake for me. Well, Grant Haley has been an absolute abomination, and I thought he was going to be yeah. one of our sleeper players this year, and he has not been. He's been terrible. But B.J. Hill, even more so, he was so good last year. He would like was, what, top three in rookie sacks with four and a half as a D lineman? Like, you need to build off that, and he's just regressed. And it's, Yeah, five and a half. It's tough. Five and a half, yeah, five and a half. And he's regressed. He's mm-hmm. not looked good whatsoever. You know, I, I'd almost rather yeah, RJ in the in run there. game. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, oh, that's that's a great point. Particularly in the run game, I I we didn't have a podcast last week uh, versus the Vikings. I guarantee you, if we did our giant shitheads of the week, BJ Hill would have gotten it on that defense side of the ball because holy shit, was he letting stuff yeah. go by him left and right, left and right, left and right. I actually want to take since we do have you know we're gonna I'm I'm gonna have like a. Obviously, with the Giants playing on Thursday, there's not going to be going on. There's not going to be much going on Sunday in Giants land uh, this weekend. And myself, Thank I have God. a four day weekend, so I do kind of, yeah, really, I do want to <laughs> take some time to do some to do some in depth analysis of maybe even like report cards. Um, what what it is? Uh, what are they? Pro- progress reports. Progress, progress reports because yeah. we're because we're getting towards we're getting towards midterms in uh, in college so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna really play the part but uh all right so let's move let's move towards let's move towards that Patriots game plan so overall defense you feel good yes I you feel good I, with what I we saw very, I felt very good I was blown away by their effort like I I was I, I should have texted you I was texting my brother I'm like dude they're on the field way too much they're going to collapse sooner or later. And they really didn't until midway through the fourth quarter. Like they, they had their number every time they the Patriots made a big play. The defense stepped up, made a play. Like it was so great to see. And I, I talked to you about it after the Tampa Bay game. That second half where the defense played really well. I'm like, all right, holy shit, let's go. Hopefully they can carry that momentum. And it did against a, an abysmal Washington team. But the Vikings, they kind of took a step back. They got just carved up all day. Playing against the best team in the NFL on three days rest, I think there was a lot, a lot to like about what the Giants did this week on defense. And I'm hoping that continues because I think, you know, with our with our rookie quarterback struggling, we're going to need all the help we can. So what I took away from, from last night, Thursday night was that our defense is possibly making strides. Those young kids are finally getting their groove, and we need to see that. We need to see a lot more of that. It was kind of a reminder of 2016, except 2016, no matter how long the opposing offense was on the field, they just didn't allow points. But it felt like a 2016 game where you were waiting for, okay, this is going to be the drive that they're going to break, right? This is going to be the drive that they're going to break, right? That the defense is going to break you know i think one of the one of my favorite sayings in the nfl especially in such an offensive centered league is bend but don't break like allowing of three points is such a huge victory compared to allowing six and seven it's almost and it Justin, almost could be a momentum shifter yeah go ahead no no, no I, i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you you were about to be on a roll but i couldn't agree more and, and especially with this defense because they're going to let up big plays but when they get into the red zone or they get into plus territory if the Giants can hold them to three, I'm I'm content. Then, but don't break. I've been saying that exactly. This defense is not going to be a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. They need to be a bend but don't break defense. So if they can, if they're not getting the stops, but they can hold them to field goals, I'm going to live with that. And that's almost a momentum changer within itself. That if a team's driving, a team's driving, a team's driving, you find a way to stop them, and you only allow three as opposed to seven, that could be a momentum, you know, changer within itself in that moment. 
So I will absolutely take that in a league where teams are scoring left and right, and it's very easy to score. Um, I want to move towards Patriots' offensive game plan. I want to move there. It It was interesting and strange. Interesting and strange. However, they were doing a lot of the things that I feel like Minnesota was doing and how they were successful. So a lot of what Minnesota was doing is tons of play action, tons of play action. Now, breaking news, play action is effective in the NFL. Like It, it almost doesn't even matter who you're playing oh, yeah. against because you look at the Rams. You look at the Rams who run it 60% of the time, and it, it doesn't even matter if they have a running game established. Play action works. Russell Wilson, if you were watching that Thursday night football game where he was absolutely extravagant against um, the Rams, it was, it was against... The St. Uh, the St. Louis Rams. Fuck the Los Angeles Rams. How often were they just running play action, running play action, running play action? Now Chris Carson was actually running the ball pretty well, so the run was established. But play action works, and the Patriots are one of those forward-thinking, analytical teams like the Seahawks, like the Rams, who run it a lot. Uh, Vikings were running a lot, and what they were mainly doing is they were getting Kirk Cousins away from the pocket, and basically they were he was just waiting for. Adam Thielen to come open, running across the field towards the opposite sideline and waiting for Adam Thielen to come open. Now, what the Patriots were doing, I feel, is that they weren't necessarily getting Brady out into space away from the pocket because that's not what Brady does. But tons of trips left. Trips, Trips left was run almost, I would say, maybe six out of every 10 plays, especially when they were in the shotgun. It was trips left. Running back was most likely to Tom Brady's left. It almost looked like a run-pass option where you would have receivers that started to run routes. Edelman would do a bubble screen, and then it would be a, either a play-action fake to the running back or the running back would keep it, and it's a run play. Or it's a bubble screen to Edelman, or it's actually going down the field to somebody else. Those yep. were th- three plays. Three plays, that was the majority of it. That was that was the game no, plan in one formation. Yeah, I- that's what like the Patriots offense is now. And to be honest, we caught a few breaks. Edelman dropped a few of those quick screens to him. Uh, I remember in the first half, I, I know we dropped at least one. Might have been another. But that that's all it was. And every time, I feel like the Giants had a pass rush for like the first quarter. And then after that, they ran play action. And there was nobody within 25 seconds of Brady. He had all day. So the fact that the secondary was able to cover that long was blowing my mind. But you're right. That's what is beating the Giants right now. Those little tosses, the the play action, it's killing them. The linebackers are biting. We have no linebackers whatsoever. So they're biting on a miserable little fake rush attempt, and they're getting burnt, and, and it's killing us. The defenses run so much better when our defensive backs are not lining more than like seven yards off of the receivers. Especially when it's third and intermediate and they're lining up behind the first down marker, they're automatically inviting not just a catch to be made, but they're inviting yards after catch. That's what you're inviting. You're inviting, like, you know, we're we're 10 yards back. We're playing some sort of convoluted zone because I feel like Betcher doesn't still doesn't have that major trust in his secondary to just nope. play man, to play press. That may just also not be his bread and butter, but also at the same time, I have to ask myself, how in the world did they do this in Arizona so effectively and for a couple of years? But I digress. Betcher sometimes plays to not lose the game instead of playing to win the play. It's a great point. It really is. I like I I always think to myself, the Patriots do all this. I don't even want to use the Patriots. There are coaches out there that scheme with their talent. So why is it that that our defensive coordinator seemingly doesn't? Maybe their players are just way too bad, and it's possible. It really is. But he's not scheming to we had I'm just going back to the Minnesota game. Antoine Bethea in cover one. He was 25 yards off the line of scrimmage on a third and eight. 
That is absurd. Absurd. You're you're playing to not lose instead of playing to win the play. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, and it's so well said. You're scared of what's going to happen instead of actually trying to make a play. God, that against, fucking makes me so insane. But it, it, and it's also against football teams that aren't known for airing it out. Any other any other thoughts? Any other thoughts on the game? Any other thoughts on the defense? Because I I kind of when we're going to talk about the offense is we're going to move towards Pat Shermer. Shall we go there? Yeah, oh yeah, I can't wait. But overall defense, no, just just Marcus Golden has has been very good, and um, X Man. He's got a step. He he didn't really show as much as I thought he would this week, but I get it. Uh, Lorenzo Carter had a nice showing, which was nice to see. Yeah, God, even in the run game too. Yeah, exactly. He had his best game by far as Giants. So let's hope that continues. Yeah. Let's hope Golden Keep continues. Dexter's going to keep penetrating the middle. So we'll just keep hoping and praying our linebackers aren't as good as me and you at football. So. Yeah, uh, Tay Davis was a healthy scratch, um, and I think it was mainly because it was a Thursday night game, and they wanted to give him more optimal time. I really do think the I, I really wonder what's happening with the whole. The Giants are kind of like in hot water with this whole situation with Sterling Shepard, who collapsed on the football field against yeah. Dallas, and how if there's any kind of investigation that's going into that. However, I also do think that it's there's like NFL officials that should be watching out for that who are on the Giants sideline. So I I'm I'm wondering if you know the Giants are trying to be extra careful with some of these concussions because of all the shit that's happened to Sterling Shepard. And how much all right, let's actually talk about that because we haven't had a chance to talk about that since Minnesota. David and I didn't record last week obviously. That sucks for Shep. It's he's bad. been having a great year. He's been having too good of a year and the fact that Two concussions in less than a month, like man, that's it's really not good. That's and he scary. just signed a, a very healthy extension to be our guy, and he's been our guy. And he's been, like you said, he's been having a great year. He's the most reliable receiver on the team, inside, outside, wherever you want to do. I I trust Sterling Shepard with my life. He's he's a giant, you know what I mean. He's he's one of those guys, the one yeah. of those guys you just fall in love with. And I I pray, I pray. That they just they they keep him out. I don't care. Just just keep him out. Get him healthy because he's way too important to this team to just to just end it now. So, Shep, we're rooting for you, buddy. Yeah. Please don't take too many Advil. It only makes it worse. Just just get healthy and and, and get back to the field because we we miss you and we love you. You would know from jumping on all those tables, huh? Yeah, I um I've suffered very quite. Uh, quite a few concussions in my life. Not fun. Not on the, uh, you know, not on the Shepherd level or the NFL level, but, you know, I've had my fair share. Any of them come at uh, either either East Rutherford Stadium that we've had in our lifetime? Yes. Uh, Giants, Jets, it's Christmas Eve 2012. <laughs> I, uh, I banged a Keystone light over my head. And I proceeded to start fainting. And um, my friend had to pour some water on my head. I woke up and we won the game. And we went on to win the Super Bowl. So do I care about that concussion? No. Do I care what happened? No. I I forget about it. And I, you know, don't care. doesn't matter. I was so amped up. I bashed it over my head. And not the greatest move of my life. But like I said, I don't care. The end result is all I wanted. So we did it. Merry Christmas, you're not going to the playoffs. You mentioned Christmas, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, those were the good times. Is that the, is that the last time that you smashed a Keystone light on your head? Yes, it was. When you guys were there and um, our tailgate against Buffalo, the home opener, that was the first time we brought Keystone light out in seven years. And we've had the same crew tailgating for seven years. That was the first time in seven years we brought Keystone light out. And all right, well, it's your fucking fault that we haven't won the Super Bowl since then because you haven't smashed one over your head. You're right. Honestly, Justin, <laughs> I will I will gladly faint, pass out and die. Pass that over my head, bash it over my head. 
if we won the Super Bowl. I would do it. I don't care. I, I really don't. Oh, no, but no, I'm you have great. to do it. You have to do it because when you do it, it will then happen, not as a result of it. <sighs> You're right. You're really it's like causation here. You really, want, you really want me to just video me bashing a keystone light over my head, don't you? Tell me. I'm putting, I'm putting that evil on you, Ricky Bobby. You, <laughs> you son of a bitch. You know it works. You know it works. So you know what? Yeah. We have, we have, we have a game in nine days against Arizona. That's a big game. I'm going to send you a video, okay? Oh, just, just, just wait for it. Just wait for All it, right. okay? Just, just, just wait for it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Now we can get it. Now, yeah, like you said, you want to get into the offensive, what we did against the Patriots? Let's get into that because I have thoughts. Yeah, let's let's talk about some let's talk about some offense. Let's talk about some particularly Pat Shermer. He's been the the hot topic conversation, Ugh. and Ugh. what I I have gone on this podcast, particularly in the first few weeks of the season, when everybody was freaking out over fire Betcher, fire Shermer, blah 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 blah, and I'm like, you know what? Players have to produce. Players have to play. That is still very true. I have not lost that sentiment. I have not lost that feeling as the weeks have gone on. However, right. especially the last two weeks, especially the last two weeks, well, lo and behold, those are two losses. So you're not feeling this way when the team's winning. Shocker. Of course. Of course especially not. these last two weeks, these last two losses. And in losses in general, where the Giants are in football games and they're somewhat close, Pat Shermer and his situational awareness is not something that is totally there, and you can make a very good argument that it's lacking. And I'm talking about wasted challenges throughout the year, and even going back to last year, there were just challenge, just questionable challenges that would waste valuable timeouts. Play calling, um, and I'm thinking of this week where he didn't go forward on fourth down. In a fourteen-point game no. with about seventeen, with, with not seven, with with about seven minutes left, again, I think you're playing not to lose instead of trying to go for it and just win. I think that could also work for on the offensive side of the ball. That same argument can work here as well. I'm thinking of last week against Minnesota in the red zone. It's a third and two. You're in the red zone, and instead of putting Elijah Penny back there where they actually were having success in third down short yardage situations when they were putting Elijah Penny back there with him running the ball, and when you know that it's four down territory and it's third and two, you do not pass twice in a row. You do not do it, especially no. when you're running, especially when you run a fade to the back of the end zone to Evan Ingram. You don't do it. Um, I'm even thinking of last week against Minnesota with play action rollouts in the red zone where you had one drive where Daniel Jones took a very bad sack, which cost us points. And then the next drive, we're in the red zone. And Pat Shermer is calling the same play again. Red zone, play action rollout to Daniel Jones' strong side, his right side. Uh, Situational awareness is lacking, and I'm sure you can even go back to examples from last year. where he's even doing it. Oh, also the biggest pet peeve is running on second and long. You just don't oh. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't Why run on second you? and long, especially oh without God. Saquon Barkley. Cause then you, what do you average three yards a carry? I said my, I said my piece on Pat Shermer's situational awareness. And realistically, that's it. That's all that I kind of want to say. That's like a kind of like a critique because you also have to think about who he doesn't have on the football field right now. And we'll talk about kind of when those kind of pieces come back, what we should expect and what Giants fans should expect. But Snacks, say your piece on Pat Shermer and your opinions, and then we'll move on from there. He needs to be fired. I, really? And I, 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 no, 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 no. I'm getting heated up. I'm getting caught in the moment. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to remain calm. I'm looking at my dog. He's on the ground. And I just see, I, I just see venom, and I, I see blood. When I see Pat Shermer at the post game press conference, whether it's a win or a loss, wait, wait makes- time, time, time out, time out, time out. Go ahead. You said Go you're ahead. looking, you're you're looking at your dog, and you see blood. Yeah. Okay, not great for him. Not for him. It's just the Pat Shermer talk. 
Justin, I don't think he's a head coach. I really don't. The fact that he didn't go for it on fourth and two tells me he was playing to not make that game a blowout, which in retrospect, I respect. I get it. You don't want your players to get embarrassed, but you're not you're also showing your 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 players that you don't have any confidence that you could run a quick little out for two yards to gain the two yards to keep going and make the drive impossible. Like, that is just unacceptable in my eyes. And I have said it since last year. I've told my friends before I even knew you, I never liked the Shermer hiring. I didn't. He's the QB whisperer. He's this. He's that. He made Case Keenum an MVP candidate. His clock management, his challenges, his timeouts, everything he does on the logistics side of the football game, like that, is very, very bad. I will give him this. Last night, they came to play. He had his team ready to play. They were all fired up. They were undermined. They couldn't do anything offensively, of course. They had nobody, but they came to play. However, you're not giving your team and your players the confidence in yourself and the team itself by not going for it on fourth and two. Like that one little play angers me so much. Of course they weren't going to win the game. They were down 14. It wouldn't have mattered. I don't care if they scored. They weren't going to stop New England. The fact that you're on your own 35-yard line, 30-yard line, and you're not going for it on fourth and two, buddy, buddy, just do it. You have the quarterback you've wanted. You never wanted Eli. We know that. We all know that. He wanted Daniel Jones. Do a bootleg. Do a quick two-yard out. Run a pick play. Run something that shows us that you have the balls to stick behind this kid and make a play. And he didn't. And it angers me. And I hate his smug motherfucking face every fucking time he gets asked a difficult question and he says, uh, 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 uh. That's what he says. And I can't stand it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got heated there at the end, huh? I did. I did. Because I just, I don't think this is the man to lead us. I don't. I think he's a terrific offensive coordinator when he has to focus on one side of the ball and he can go sit on the bench and talk to his quarterback, talk to his offensive lineman. I think he could be great at that. I do not think he could run a total football operation of a 53-man roster when it's special teams and defense and not just the offense. He needs to be better. He needs to be better. He has not shown me anything that can, I can, that I can point to the future and say, okay, that's my guy. He doesn't. And Ben fucking Mac, maybe maybe Shermer should gel his fucking hair back. I don't know. God, it took you forty. It took you over forty minutes to get like this. This is what I've been waiting for. I could go a lot longer if you really want me. Am I really that much of a calming presence? No. That for forty that for forty minutes you, I could hold you off. I told you in the Washington tailgate. You're literally. You're literally like my little horseshoe. You keep me calm. You do. So when I talk to you, I keep calm. But when when I start thinking, when I start, uh, I'm, I, I'm sitting up. I'm sitting up. Fuck this. When I start thinking about it overall, and I realize that that man leads our football team in a fact that we have all this cap space, an offensive line that's rebuilt, a quarterback that was drafted sixth overall that has played Better than we could have ever thought. I don't care about the turnovers. He's a rookie quarterback. He's a play with Saquon. He's barely played with Shep, Engram, everybody. The fact that he keeps continuing to do this bullshit makes me sick to my motherfucking stomach, Dustin. And I don't even want to, I, I, I don't even know what to say. He's got a, a, that smug look that I just can't fucking stand. I can't fucking stand it. At least Tom Coughlin stood up there, admitted his mistakes. He admitted it like a man. He goes, go ahead. Yeah, that's on me. Every single time the fucking Giants lost him, whether how pathetic their fucking players were, Tom Coughlin stood up there and he goes, that's on me. That's on me. No, coach. It was never on you. You're a fucking great coach. Your players fucking suck because Jerry Reese fucking suck. Shermer, you... F- oh, you motherfucker. All right, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. I got it out of me. I got it out of me. Oh, boy. I have so oh, much spit. God, I, I could say something. I'm talking, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. 
I love when Stephen A makes special appearances on the show. I love how he takes the time to come out. Stephen A is a big fan of Billy and Blue, so I, I I'm not I'm not surprised at all. And he's one of the greatest cowboy haters of all time. So he's always got a he's always got a heart in my book. So we're gonna we're gonna bring it down a little bit. We're gonna bring it down because this is where I'm at. But let's do it more methodically instead of me ranting like a crazy asshole, which I apologize for. I'm sorry, listeners. I uh, I do like we said in the beginning. I'm out of my fucking mind, so I apologize. But Justin, let's do it. Let's break it down. All of those feelings that you have, yep. While ex- while very very exotic, they they oh, could yeah. be true within the next upcoming weeks. They will be. The fact the f- now I I will I will say this. As of right now, I am wrong. I am wrong with how I thought the offense was going to operate without Saquon Barkley. I will say it. However, I'm not fully wrong because these next few weeks is not only going to be, it's not necessarily a huge test for Saquon. It's not necessarily a huge test for Daniel Jones, but these next upcoming few weeks are a huge, huge test. I feel for Pat Shermer because once he gets Saquon back now, good chance he doesn't get Evan Ingram back. You don't want to be rushing Evan Ingram who had a mild MCL sprain. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And a guy yeah. who's always injured. So yeah. keep him on the sideline. Play, play the Arizona game. Give him, give him two weeks. That's what you got to do. He's been too good. Yeah. Give him two weeks. Without Shep, you don't want to rush Shep back. We already acknowledged that. But Saquon coming back probably against the Arizona Cardinals, which I I don't humanly know how he possibly can do that. I don't know how. I don't know how even. It'll be two weeks ago by the time this Sunday comes around. It'll be two weeks since he's been running and jumping like fucking Superman again. Don't know how he's doing it. I I guess I won't question it. But this is going to be a huge test because the Giants running backs, while Saquon Barkley was out, they averaged around three and a half yards per carry. With Saquon in. With Saquon in. I mean, which, which honestly, like... That's like kind of what you expect out of those guys. No, I know. Like I, I know. I, like I said, I said with Wayne Gallman, you give me three and a half, four yards per carry, I'm happy with that. What I was valuing more was the presence of throwing the football and the yeah. presence of a consistent quarterback. Now we saw that in Tampa Bay, but also the way that that Tampa Bay game was called and the way that that game was played overall. It just had to be played that way because we were down by three scores. So yeah, it's the a, way that we played a lot that of Washington game. game was a little different. Ken. Right, right. No, no. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's a lot of game script. Like we weren't establishing the run against Minnesota. We got down. You had to throw the ball. They can't. When you're not establishing a run and a running back's not getting rhythm, I don't care if it's Barkley or if it's Hillman. That that bum. You're not going to get anything from it. So a lot of it has to do with game script, but a lot of it has to do with not having the best running back in football by a mile in the backfield. They defenses can't key on it. They are keying on Daniel Jones and we need him back. We really do. I, I don't care what the whole analytics say. Oh, running backs invaluable, blah, 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 blah. When you have a Saquon Barkley, he's extremely valuable. Okay. You have to key on him at all times, whether run or pass. And we haven't even got to see the run pass option that we've wanted to from Daniel and Saquon. They played what? A half together, that's it. He needs to come back. And like you said, he's an inhuman specimen. But he better fucking play in Arizona. I want that win more than anything in the world. We need it. Get back, Saquon. Then again, just sit down and, and relax and wait till next year when we could spend $100 million. And, you know, that's good. That's why I say that I'm wrong because I thought that the Giants offense was going to be a little bit more effective without him. I also thought that this Giants offense would have more time without him. I thought it would, you know, obviously you're thinking that it's going to be closer to five to seven weeks without him, but the dude's just not human. But also I'm fully no. not even saying that I'm wrong too, because I just thought of this Vikings and Patriots defense, pretty damn fucking good defenses, <laughs> you know? Yeah, probably, probably top three in the game. So really looking back on it, 
I know some other people have had this take, and this is kind of like the first time that I'm fully maybe appreciating this take and not kind of dismissing it. Saquon being out against these teams where he went in against Washington, made some mistakes, made some positive throws, overall found a way to win the game and dominated the game, frankly, because partially because of that defense, but got yeah. two wins under his belt, six quarters of winning football without Saquon Barkley, and then eight quarters of football without Saquon Barkley going up against very, very good defenses, continuing to make some mistakes here and there, but also what is so, so impressive about Jones is that he'll go out and he'll make a mistake, Snacks, but he'll come back that next drive, deliver a ballsy, ballsy throw that puts his team in the best possible position to win. Yep. The moment does not help help me finish the sentence. The moment does not scare him. Uh, Correct. I mean, you know, he literally, like you said, I saw it in the preseason. He fumbled on two straight possessions against the, the Chicago Bears. And then after that, he went eight for eight with two touchdowns. Like, he doesn't let a little turnover or a little mishap stop him from his game plan. He goes out. He's almost got that Eli in him. You know what I mean? Eli, obviously, you know, we love him. And he would throw pick after pick after pick and fumble and fumble and fumble. But he'd come right back and he'd gunsling it. Daniel Jones is a little bit more protective. I know he's turned the ball over, but he knows where to put the ball. He's much more accurate. He's got a better spiral. He doesn't let that affect him, and I love that about him. I love it. Every That's like that's a trait I want in a quarterback. Like He's not going to go to the bench and pout. He's going to come right back. He's going to study it, and he's going to know exactly what happened. He had no chance oh, he gets, Thursday yeah. night. You know, like he had no chance Thursday night missing – Right. Literally, his four best weapons. I'll even include Goldman because he's, you know, the backup running back, and he's twenty times better than whatever we put out. But no Barkley, no Shep, no Ingram, and he was still out there competing, slinging it, doing everything he humanly can. And I got to tell you, I think I told you draft night. I I hated it, but whew, I love this kid. I love him. Yeah. He's got ball of steel. And that's really like it, it has been pretty unimpressive these last two weeks, partially because you look at who's not on the field, partially because I don't feel Shermer has put the team in the best position to win. Like, let's just say, you know, put the ball in the kid's hands. Let him go for it. On, that, that's also a fucking thing, too. Now I'm going to get mad. That's also a thing. Yeah. You have a rookie quarterback. You ever no? Hear, hear me out. This is actually a point that nobody has brought up yet. You have a rookie quarterback out there who you want to get in-game experience, and you want to get in-game reps. This is why these last two weeks. This is why losing is kind of okay and tolerable because the kid is getting experience. As opposed to if Eli was out there and we were losing, then that would be intolerable. Where that would be miserable. But fourth and two, the kid has an opportunity with. I don't know, maybe seven to five minutes left in the football game, making it a one-score game where your defense is actually playing well and then you can catch momentum? How yep. big of a moment, even, even if we lose that game, even if the Patriots get the ball back and they score, how big of a moment yep. would that be that Daniel Jones converted on a fourth down, started to lead a drive that would have made the game a one? We, we're... So we took kind of yet on we kind of took Thursday night as a quote unquote moral victory, even though you know you can kind of I don't believe in moral victories, blah blah blah. We took it as a moral victory. How nice would that have been? No, it would have been perfect. But I, that, but I that, no, no, I, and I couldn't agree more. And that's where my rant started. Like that angered me so much that you didn't even give this kid a chance. Like, buddy, Shermer, asshole, dickhead, you knew, you knew. You weren't going to win the football game punting the ball. So why not give him a chance? You probably weren't going to let's, – let's be honest. You weren't going to win it anyway. Why not give that kid a chance? Give him the confidence yeah. to throw a little five-yard out to Tate or a little slant to Slayton. Something. Give him something to build on. And shit, who knows? If he drives down the field and scores a touchdown in Foxborough, makes it a one-possession game with six minutes to go, do you know what that does to a, to a – to a player that got such vitriol when he got drafted, 
you have to think of this shit. Oh my God. I knew I'd have a heart attack early in life, but I'm telling you, Pat Shermer may cause it officially. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm not there yet. I'm certainly, I'm, I'm pretty far from it. Again, it's just not putting your team in the best position to win and it's situational awareness. Other than that, <laughs> how much yeah. of coaching there is other, other, other than that? Other than that. <laughs> oh, man. No, but I, I will say, Justin, I will say this. I will say this. I do like Pat Shermer. I do. I, I think that with a full season and, and everybody on the field, that he can make magic happen with Daniel Jones and everybody. I do. I believe in that. I really just don't like his 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 play calling, clock management challenges, all that stuff. That's that's what really bothers me. And coaching in the NFL is about as essential as having a franchise quarterback. And I do think in time we have one, but I'm still not sold on the head coach yet. I'm not. Yeah. I digress. Well, these next few weeks, these next yeah, these next few weeks, you know, uh, the the main. The main argument has been bring Saquon back, bring some of these pieces back, and it's a very right. different story. But I really do think that Saquon has been the main conversation piece of if you bring this one piece back, hopefully you yep. can start piecing some other things together. So guess what? The pressure's on. The pressure is on for Pat Shermer and this coaching staff to really get it together. You know, We'll be able to differentiate between Daniel Jones, who is making rookie mistakes, we will accept that. We will absolutely 100% accept that. We will be happy with it, and we will move forward. But if it's the same that we've seen these last two weeks where we have opportunities to to try to get back into football games, we have have opportunities to try and catch momentum, and on third and twos, we're passing the ball twice in a row, and we're continuing to call play-action rollouts in the red zone when the field shrinks in the red zone and you don't want to be expanding the field in the red zone. You want to, It's oh lack of common sense if you're rushing the ball. Now, rushing the ball on second and long, it's a little different with Saquon Barkley. I still wouldn't do it. Establish the run on first down, for God's sakes. Do it. For God's sakes, like, why not? Like, please. Like, you're, you're, run, you're throwing... You why not get three yards? Second and seven is better than second and ten. Like then you could check down and get five yards, and you're in a third and three, a favorable NFL situation, and you're just not doing it. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make now. Remember sense. now. Remember, there's only been there's only been one half of football. There's only been That's one it. half yeah. of football where we've seen Jones Saquon all of these parties present together. I know. So that's I, why I, I'm I'm very much hold the phone on all of that kind of talk. Well, you know what? I appreciate your optimism and I couldn't agree more. Saquon and Jones is really what I want to see because I think they're a lethal duo in that backfield. They could do that run pass option all day because there were so many times during the Thursday night game against Patriots where – he was handing the ball off to Hillman in kind of a RPO situation where I'm like, dude, run it to the outside. They don't they got it figured out because Hillman's not scaring them. Saquon is going to scare them. And that's what you want to see. But we haven't gotten it yet. God, we haven't gotten it yet. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this right now. I'm gonna jump the gun a little bit. I know you still have a lot to say, and I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to breathe. I barely breathe in talking this whole thing. It took me 40 minutes before coming out and going insane. And I don't know how I didn't do it in the first two minutes. Arizona is a winnable game. They should win that game. They're at home. They're playing against a very fluky Arizona team. Okay. I don't like our linebacker situation to put a spy on Murray. But you know what? You can win that game. Detroit after that. I think is another winnable game. I like Detroit. That D-line, Aquara, and Kennard, they're going to come after us hard. And we should have re-signed them, but that's neither here nor there. That is a sneaky good team. Justin, if you get me to 4-4, four and four, if you if you get me to 4-4 four and four before that Monday night game in Dallas, I swear to God, I will kill someone. 
at the tailgate. And with with yeah, good that, purpose, that's a home game too. Yes, it is, and I will be there with good purpose. I will kill someone. I want that Dallas game to mean something. I haven't seen a meaningful Dallas game at Giant State MetLife Stadium, the dumpster fire fucking stadium that it is, in years. I want it so bad. I want to be four and four more than I want to hit the lottery. I would rather be four and four than hit the eight hundred million dollar lottery in New Jersey tomorrow. I swear to God. I swear on everything holy to me. I would rather be four and four than hit the lottery. Get me four and four. Get me that big game in Dallas. Because we both know how excited we were for that Vikings game and we were let down. That Dallas game could be huge if we get to four and four. Because Dallas' schedule, not looking good. They don't play good against good teams. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. Okay. I'm Take it over, Justin, before I have a heart attack. I hate I'm I'm like looking at the schedule and I hate looking at the schedule. I, know you are. I hate game I, I call know it you are. I call it game picking. Here's how here's the approach that I've always taken. You always just kind of look you you look micro instead of macro. Because yep. things change so often in the NFL, right? Like fucking Chase All Daniels time. is the starting quarterback for the Bears right now. It's not even worth talking about that Bears that that Bears team right now and that matchup that's coming right after the bye week. Neither here nor there, because basically to, to start the season, we were looking at get us to week four in Washington and let's be 500. Right. And we were. Instead, we were one. and Well, no, we were we were one and two. But oh, 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 we oh you're, of, right, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yes. I, I thought you were saying we like, were kind after of, yeah. Yeah, we were kind of like looking at the season as like piece by piece by piece instead of just looking at the entire body of work and be like, oh, you know, look at all these teams we have going up. Yeah, get me to Dallas and still make me feel like there's something to really play for in the season. I would like that a lot. That's that's all I want, Justin. It's all I want. I that's that's a massive. It's probably the hottest take that I've heard in the NFL season so far. Good on you. No, that no. I I, I think that's I think that's I think that's sarcasm. The fact that I want the Giants <laughs> to play well enough. The fact that I want the Giants to play well enough that a game in November matters. Yeah, God forbid. Right? <laughs> take. God forbid. Yeah, God forbid. The first yeah. game in November, we actually want them to be have a meaningful game. But I. Yeah. That's it's literally it's it's all I want. I I want meaningful football at least the first week in November. And I know this is a massive rebuild. And I know after Dallas, not even like beginning with Dallas, beginning with Detroit, beginning with Arizona. We're not a good, we're not a great football team. These teams are tough. There's no winnable. There's no, you can't just say, okay, that's a win. You know what I mean? But Jets and we dog. need to go. Well, I, I sure as fuck hope so. I mean, we, we play the Redskins again. I sure as fuck hope so. But if you can get to that Dallas game four and four, you got a shot. You got a fucking shot, okay? And isn't that all we want as fans? Like we're, we're breaking down the game, we're breaking down Shermer, we're breaking down the injuries, breaking down everything. But as a fan, that's what you want. You want to go into that stadium, and you want to be able to cause hell. Because I know I'm going to do that. Four and four, Dallas Monday night. You best believe I'm bringing boxing gloves, okay? That's all I want. So please, God, please. I don't. I don't need anything for Christmas. I don't need anything for New Year. I. I hope for my dog's health. That's it. Get me to four and mother fucking four, please. Justin, do that for me. Do that for me. I'll do it. I promise. You'll do I it. Pinky swear. Well, I'm pinky swearing Merry Christmas, to you. You're not going to the playoffs. You son of a bitch. You're such a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's your final thought. I'm cutting you off. No, please do. That was a great I, final you, thought. You know I'll go on for hours, but that is my final thought. Yep. Give me to form four. We have a lot. We have a lot to worry about. A lot of little things that we can correct. A lot of coaching. A lot of all this little stuff. But you know what? I was overall in a synopsis recap of Thursday's game. I'm happy what we saw from the defense. I want all the guys back. I want Ingram back. I want Shepard back. 
those probably guys probably aren't coming back. We need Barkley, and then I think we can go. All right, I think we can go, and I'm going to be calm, cool, and collected when I say that. I think we can go. I think that's gonna do it from us. You will hopefully hear from us soon. I'm going to make no promises, no guarantees. Uh, I am definitely am going to be doing some fun things over on Twitter, over on the Bleeding Blue website throughout the weekend. Since the Giants kind of have the weekend off, I'm going to try to take good advantage of it and uh, provide some fun and interesting content for you all. David, David and I will be back shortly. Thank you so much to Snacks for coming on. It is always a ton of fun. I, I'm glad. I, I, I'm glad you, because also this is therapy. Also, this is very much therapy where you you need you need to vent out the anger. You can't hold it in. It's not good to hold oh, things in. I've got way too much bottled in. So thank you so much, Justin. No problem. All right. Uh, keep on bleeding blue. Keep on bleeding blue. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Jankies. They're currently in a playoff series right now, which is fun. The day that I'm going to be we're going to be releasing this, the day that you hopefully are listening to this uh, is the first game of the uh the ALCS. So that's a lot of fun. And we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to continue to have a lot of fun and we're going to keep on bleeding blue. Peace, everyone. And as David would say, stay beautiful. (laughs) Hey, everybody, it's Talking Jake here. And I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series. You're not going to want to miss the deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.